Hello and welcome to Radio 43. This is a new weekly podcast series from Hope Not Hate. Each week on this show, we'll be releasing a rapid anti-fascist intelligence report coming straight from us to you in 15 minutes or less. This is a podcast designed for anti-fascists and journalists and really anyone interested in the day-to-day activities of the far right. This podcast takes its name from the 43 Group, an inspiring set of post-war anti-fascists who fought off the threat of the far right and whose memory lives large in the collective consciousness of those combating the far right today. My name's Roxana Khan-Williams. My name's Nick Spooner. And each week, either myself or Roxy will be sitting down with Joe Mulhall, Hope Not Hate's senior researcher, to pick out some key moments and developments from the previous week. Welcome to Radio 43. Hello, welcome to episode 7 of Radio 43, a weekly anti-fascist update from Hope Not Hate. Um, I say weekly, we've been away for a couple of weeks, uh, so sorry about that, but we're back, raring to go, Um, good to be back. I'm here with my excellent power colleague, uh, Dr. Joe Mulhall, who's got a new book out today as well. How's the process been, man? Has it been okay to to write? How's uh, How's the kind of promotional side of things going? It's good actually. I'm, I'm, I can't pretend I'm not quite excited. It's, um, it's been a long time coming. I, I mean, I uh, wrote it last year. I mean, actually, it's one of those really annoying people that's going to say, "What did you do during lockdown?" I wrote a book, <laughs> um, but um, it's great actually. It's out. It's out today. Um, you can buy it from the Hope Not Hate shop, or you can buy it from any bookshops or anything like that. It's, it's basically about, um, it's about the rise of the far right over the last four decades, but all over the world. It's, it's called Drums in the Distance. Uh, journeys into the global far right and it tells a lot of hope not hate stories it tells about 10 years of campaigns and infiltrations that hope not hate have done and i've done around the world and yeah i'm excited that it's out it's been great yeah i think it's it's gonna be a must read i i think that we should do a special podcast episode on it i mean we'll get me and roxy and uh we'll sit you down and just uh, just make it really uncomfortable for you because we'll just be going how good it is. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to looking forward to that. So big congrats to you, man. And a happy birthday to Roxy, who she can't be here today, um, unfortunately, but it was her birthday last week. So uh, big shout to Roxy. Happy birthday um, to her for that. The first question, Joe, it's a big one. Is it coming home? What do you reckon? <laughs> of course it's coming home. That's why yeah. I'm so hungover. Um, I was feeling a little sore in the head this morning as well, I have to say. Um, very exciting. Uh, it is exciting, actually, yeah. it's um, We've actually been monitoring it for work, obviously. We'd, we've been doing some projects with The Guardian about the amount of racism and, and hate that footballers have been getting on social media. And, and some of the first article came out a week or so ago after the group statement. And there'll be some more stuff probably in a couple of weeks. So we've, we've had a bit of a work perspective as well. But obviously last night was all about you know, the, the laptops were soon enough closed and, and the excitement began. So I'm really excited. I, I know I just keep saying I'm really excited about lots of things, but yeah, it is coming home. I genuinely believe it. <laughs> what's the what's the first England foot, like a tournament that you can remember, like in terms of England doing well in it? I mean, mine was UN96, I think that's got to be, that's the one I can actually physically remember. Uh, I'm older than you, so but actually mine's probably, uh, properly, properly remembers France 98. Oh really? Okay, okay. I don't really remember '96, but um, I just remember you've got to remember Paul uh, Paul Gascoigne's goal against Scotland. You know, uh, it's difficult it to know what, what against... it's, it's difficult to know what I remember and what I've just seen on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, well, anyway, we're, you know, we're looking forward to to the weekend. Uh, it's definitely coming home. So uh, fantastic. Um, let's let's get on with the show. We've got uh, we've got a fair bit to get through um, today. Just quickly do that that plug thing that everyone does. Please do uh, like the episodes. You know, f- share it, uh, subscribe to the podcast. It really does help. And if you fancy leaving us a review, a, a review, that's also uh, a massive help as well. Um, oh, I should say we're recording this on a Thursday this week. We're going to be back to our usual Tuesday slot from next week as well. Um, anyway, so this week we're going to be looking at what went down uh, for the far right in Batley and Spen. Um, beyond their vote share, woo, uh, that's a bit of a little spoiler. But we have a couple of other things uh, as well that we need to talk about. So uh, let's get straight up, uh, straight into it. Uh, Joe. Quite a remarkable story in the Batley and Spen by-election in the end. Uh, it was won by the Labour Party candidate, Kim Leadbeater, uh, the sister of the MP, Joe Cox, who was murdered going about her work in the constituency um, by a fascist terrorist in 2016. Uh, it seemed for a while, I mean, a lot of the noises coming out of the Labour Party in the run-up to the uh, to polling day were not, were not good at all. Um, and in the end, the margin, I think, was 342 or three or something like that. So uh, a very, very close for election campaign. Um, and you know, we had volunteers out on the ground um, throughout the campaign, putting out putting out material. We were campaigning specifically against uh, the five far right candidates um, who we profiled on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago. But it went really badly for all of them, didn't it, Joe? Very, very badly indeed. Uh, how badly did it actually go? Ah, it did. Well, I mean, generally speaking, actually, I think it's worth noting that it was, I think it was a really ugly by-election campaign mm-hmm. right, on lots of sides. I mean, I think there was, you know, George Galloway was kind of whipping up tensions and, and being kind of anti-LGBT and just generally grim campaign. I think there was some rumbling in the Labour camp of some sort of Islamophobia stuff, which which is completely unacceptable. So all of like the main candidates, I, I don't think it's worth saying, and of course you had the Conservatives up there as well, you had Brian Stevenson. Like, we'll talk about the far right now, but I think I just wanted to accentuate that I don't think it's the far right did terrible things and the main ca- campaigners didn't. I think actually all of the main parties that were in with a running at the top there um, did some pretty ugly politics while we are up there. But yeah, I mean, from, from the far right's perspective, it was a disaster. I mean, a comical disaster. Um, I think, you know, as we said a couple of weeks ago, Nick, that we, we never thought they were going to do particularly well, but they were going to go there and try and whip up tensions. And that's what we saw. But in terms of the results, I mean, there's, it's worth just running through how badly few of them did. I mean, the person that finished very, very bottom um, was from the Heritage Party, Susan Laird, and she got just 33 votes. Um, and she, uh, just beating them out of last place was Jada Franson, obviously, um, who we talked about at some length. Jada Franson, uh, kind of close friend of Nick Griffin, former uh, kind of co-leader of Britain First. Again, disastrous campaign, absolutely no traction, both of which kind of got 15-33. So you've got those parties doing badly. But the real kind of bad one, I think, was Anne-Marie Waters and For Britain. I think there was a bit more expectation within the far right itself that for Britain would do slightly better. Amory Waters talked about it at quite length about running a big campaign, about getting people on the ground. You know, Tommy Robinson or Stephen Yaxley Lennon talked about lending his support. They released a video. They talked about a big day of action in the run up to it. And I think it made some uh, some people very nervous about it. The, the results were absolutely crushing. She got 97 votes, um, which was which was comically bad. And, and there's obviously already been fallout from this. I mean, 
Tommy Robinson pulled out of the day of action before it happened so that day was a dismal flop they got about 20 know, activists sorry sorry to cut you up do you know why he did that is there any any sense of uh coming out of sort of his camp why he didn't turn up in the end not publicly right, okay. <laughs> um okay. so no but no so he, but you know who knows he didn't turn up um so yeah and so as a result of that they only got about 20 people on the ground and, and it was all led on the day by eddie butler this guy we've talked about numerous times this mm-hmm. kind of ex-bmp figure nasty character down down based down in Essex so the day of action flopped very few people were. I mean now all of a sudden the recriminations are starting within the four Britain camp I mean Waters is trying to put a brave face on it she's claiming that it was never a level playing field she's even kind of claiming that the Royal Mail didn't deliver her leaflets but whatever way they try and spin it it was it was a pretty appalling failure and especially on the back of kind of the local election results she's now of course which were also disastrous for them I think that she's going to be facing some pretty hard questions about her continued leadership. There's already some rumblings within various parts of the party. Um, you know, she's come out and said she's going to continue to talk about Islam. She believes that's their USP. Um, but I think some of the more hard line elements of the party are going to be asking serious questions because this is another disastrous result in a row for them. Yeah, it really is. Who, uh, who do you think would take over? Is there anyone that you think would take over from her? Is it too early to say at the moment? Um, uh, yes it's it's hard to say at the moment i mean there's some branches which are kind of basically there's there's whole branches in fort britain that are just former bmp branches and kind of amory waters has allowed them into the party and they've kind of taken and they've got themselves a foothold and so my hunch would be is that if there was going to be a split you might see it along those lines you'd see the old bmp lot rally and kind of take over the party but i mean i think lots of people are looking at this now i mean this is as i say the local elections were a disaster she put in you know she she ran up in the north and, and did disastrously in that she's now done disastrously here clearly something is not working for the party i mean they know it and one of the things i've actually said this week is they're going to use the excess funds from their campaign to hire someone to give their image a revamp so they've decided that it's time for some sort of change so we'll have to see what that looks like. but it's definitely not very happy at the moment on on the four britain ship i mean this is kind of anecdotal uh, from the activists that we had out there but i mean they they saw absolutely nobody, no far right candidates, uh, no, 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 no one out canvassing for them or leaflet delivering or anything. So, um, I mean, yeah, that- I mean, Anne-Marie Waters actually released some videos saying that they were scared. And so they were doing it either at night or they were kind of doing it at various times of the day when they felt they could kind of not be seen. So, and, and I mean, actually, if you looked at a lot of the videos, it looked like Anne-Marie Waters was traveling back and forth. So I, they definitely didn't get the ground campaign they wanted. And then, a lot of the other parties say like barely seem to turn out at all as we kind of expected. But uh, actually, the part we haven't mentioned is UKIP. You know, I mean, UKIP only got 151 votes, which was 0.4 percent. I mean, that I think was is is especially poor for them. I mean, uh, this candidate up in back in Spain called Paul Halloran, who's an Endon, and um, he was kind of occupying a lot of that space. But he didn't run this time round, which lots of people thought might open up a bit of space for UKIP. He got 18%, I think, back in 2015. But this time around, he didn't run. And it still did nothing for them. You know, uh, UKIP got 151 votes. So across that, whether or not it's UKIP, the Heritage Party, party uh, whether or not it was Amory Waters or you, you name it, um, people didn't turn out for them. The question, of course, is why. I mean, one of the things is that some of the ugly politics that these people were offering, you could pick up from other, you know, other candidates. So yeah. maybe they just weren't particularly needed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the UKIP one as well is, like you say, is really surprising. I mean, Jack Thompson, uh, the candidate, he, he, uh, I saw he had a profile 
on page two of the of one of the newspapers, the Batley and Spend Gazette or something like that, mm-hmm. Batley Observer. Um, yeah, they, they they put. I mean, actually, UKIP did seem to put some effort in, but to say with that sort of result, I mean, obviously he came sixth or seventh after the English Democrat, you know, Theresa Hurst. And I mean, Theresa Hurst again only got two hundred and seven votes for the English Democrat. So. Um, you know, we haven't we didn't talk about much much of them last time, but again, that's 0.55% of the vote. So none of these people got 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 votes. That, you know, they were beaten out by the Yorkshire Party, and so disasters across the board. I think, but uh, you know, in one sense, we shouldn't be surprised. We've said it before on the podcast. Like the electoral far right is in the toilet at the moment. You know, the, the electoral far right has been struggling for a long time, and this by election, even with all the local tensions and all the local questions, has just actually served to show again how weak the electoral far right is right now. Yeah, I mean, is that? Do you have a do you have a sense of where where this threat is going? Where, where the electoral threat is going? Is it so splintered? They're doing so badly, as you as you said. Like, what what? Where do they turn now? What do they do next? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Britain First is still pushing uh, to try and get registered with the Electoral Commission, so they think that they might be able to occupy some of that space. I mean, they do have a bit of a branch structure. I mean, they've got some strength in the northwest and in parts of the Midlands. So they would be one to watch electorally, I guess. Um, but again, probably not. I mean, they're not going to be the new BNP. They're not there yet. Um, Petros Alternative, again, they've been talking about elections here and there. They've been talking about trying to get registered again so far unsuccessfully. So, you know, there's there's various people sniffing around. But, you know, these things happen in the British far right. If you look throughout the post-war period, there are times when the British electoral far right is very splintered and split. And, and it, you know, performs really poorly. And then eventually with time, it starts to coagulate and becomes sort of an electoral force. We saw that, you know, you see the union movement emerge in the late 40s, which brings together dozens of parties. You see the National Front come together in 67, again, bringing together lots of parties. The British National Party, again, then dominates the scene throughout the 2000s. So in the wake of the British National Party's collapse, we've seen all this splintering, which is what you'd expect. Uh, the question remains, there's currently no one to be able to pull these forces together into some sort of cogent political or, you know, force at the moment that's the one to watch out for but at the moment there's nothing on the horizon you mentioned uh you mentioned earlier on about tommy tommy robinson not turning up uh for the weekend of action but there was a bit of argy-bargy down in the town center um did you could you give us a a sort of summary of what happened i saw some photos with a lot of police officers knocking around but i think there were about there was a very few few people turned out in the end 14 15 or something wasn't it yeah, it was it was kind of absolutely tiny numbers. Um, I mean, there was there was an awful lot of police, um, but yeah, police. I mean, there was kind of um, you know yeah there was not much to kind of report really other than a kind of a handful of guys turned out. I mean, the other thing that actually happened in the town centre, which again I'm sure the locals were equally excited about, was kind of Lawrence Fox's mob turning up, <laughs> which uh, we haven't mentioned yet. I mean, his some of his kind of support turned up, and they had this free speech event in in the centre with. George Galloway and George Galloway's kind of catchphrase where he just kept saying anal sex for, for two weeks before the election. Um, but Lawrence Fox and his lot went up there. And, and it's, it's funny, I mentioned Paul Halloran earlier. He said that he still intends to run at the next general election for reclaim. So, you know, that's probably why Lawrence Fox was up there spending a bit of time with him. But I think the kind of argy-bargy you're talking about and then the Lawrence Fox turning up is this by-election was just one of those events where everyone was trying to get a piece of the action. Everyone saw is it a chance to kind of get their name in a newspaper or to kind of raise their profile, et cetera. And, and so everyone was clambering around it, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, the, uh, the the Lawrence Fox event, I, that was, I think that was noteworthy because 
they were due to have an event in a town hall, I believe, and then Kirkley's council um, pulled the, the the basically pulled the event because there were security concerns, and then they went ahead anyway and did it outside. Um, so, like you say, there was a kind of uh, a, a real attempt just to you know just uh, just people just flooding the seat um, to yeah. try and get some get some of the action, as you say. I mean, it's funny, um, Fox, is, Fox is just talking of him briefly. I don't like to talk about him too much, but he's really backed himself into a corner because he's come out about, you know, the England team taking the knee and said, you should support anyone who's playing England. Which, of course, now as the whole nation is kind of getting itself wrapped up into excitement about the football, is making him look more and more stupid. But it's, it's interesting, isn't it? There was a time when it was, generally speaking, the left that said, don't support England. Um, and now it's the right. So that's just an interesting bit of vault face in recent weeks. Yeah, there's a Tory MP as well who said uh, he, he was uh, uh, extremely irate about the England team taking the knee. And he said that he, that he was going to boycott all the England games. Now they got to the finals. So yeah, I mean, you, Pr- Pretty, Patel you, said it. Pretty Patel said boo, boo the England team. You yeah. know, and now all of a sudden there she is celebrating the match last night. Tweeting pictures of herself out celebrating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Anything else you want to talk about about the election? Uh, like you no. say, it was uh, there was it was yeah no fine let's just draw a line under it. But <laughs> it was uh, yeah it was a pretty horrible campaign in in parts. Uh, you know George Galloway did some really reprehensible stuff, and we 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 did a a really good I, I think some a really good tweet thread about about him and some of the things that he said in the past. So do go and check that out if you uh, if you if you want a bit of analysis on on yeah. George Galloway as a, as a figure. And, and by yeah. things, by things, we mean, you know, one tweet in particular where he's, I think it's, he's explicitly anti-Semitic. Mm. You know, there's just no two ways it's worth getting that on the record. <laughs> is, is, is that the Tottenham Hotspur one? Yeah, the Tottenham yeah, Hotspur yeah, yeah. one. Yeah. No, no, no Israel on the, on the cup no, and Tottenham will play, isn't it? Yeah. The guy's reprehensible, he's vile, but maybe we'll do another, you know, We'll come back to him another time, maybe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely disgraceful. Well, let's let's uh, draw that on the Batley and Spen by-election. Um, a terrible few weeks for the far right. Um, uh, let's just go on to one other story quickly. Uh, what's the latest on far right terror arrest, Joe? Is there any any update? Yeah, there's more. <laughs> there's more. There's more. Um, so I'm trying to think like when we were last on, but um, the recent one actually, the most notable one is Alex Davies. Um, so the, this is the guy that many of you, anyone who's kind of watched Hope Not Hate's work over recent years will have, will have heard of or come across him before. He was the co-founder of National Action. And so it's now been announced that he's, going to, he's been arrested and he's going to stand trial next year. And he's being charged with remaining a member of the group uh, after it was outlawed. So National Action were banned by the British government. And so it became a crime to still be a member or still to, to, to kind of hang around with them, each other as a group. And so he's been arrested uh, under the belief that he was still doing that. He's alleged to have stayed in the organisation between December 2016 and September 2017. Uh, he created the group back in 2013, uh, and it was banned kind of three years after that. So it looks like he's in Bailey in London, um, or he, he turned up at the Old Bailey, sorry, last Friday, a couple of weeks ago, and he's now been released. And it, he'll his kind of the next trial preparation hearing is not till October. So I think the trial looks like it's going to be April next year. It's penciled in for April next year, so it's one to watch. But clearly, there's this is just another one of we've been mentioning lots of recently. There's obviously been a move by the police to go through and work out who has been still involved in NA after the ban, and a few of them have been getting some heat recently. So uh, this is just the latest. But as the co-founder, it's obviously a big one that he's been nicked. Yeah, this is this is high profile. Um, probably not a huge amount more we can say on this, given that it's now 
uh, gone to court or going to court. So I've, everything I've said there is taken solely from what the BBC said. So you're, you're, you're a professional, mate. We, we, we trust you. It's fine. <laughs> I'm trying to keep that. But if they're, they're allowed to say it, I haven't said anything they haven't said. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely. No, I mean, but I mean, I, I, like, I've got careful. a load of questions that I want to ask you, but I, you know, we just need to tread on the right side of this and make yeah, sure yeah. we don't get ourselves in, in, in any trouble and collapse the case or anything. So let's let's call it there um that's it for this week we'll be back next tuesday as normal roxy will be back as well joe thanks so much as always mate i hope your uh hope your hangover has gone by the end of the weekend because you're going to have another one come monday morning um uh, and thanks to everybody for listening see you later take care nice one see you guys bye thanks for listening to radio 43 Make sure you're subscribed and check back next week for another intelligence briefing. If you've got any questions for Joe, Nick or myself, or you'd just like to drop us a line, please send an email to our producer at jake at hopenothate.org.uk. And if you like what we do and you want to support our work, please head to our website www.hopenothate.org.uk and join our Hope Action Fund for less than one hour's wage a month. With your support, we will continue to shine a light on and disrupt the activities of the far right. Cheers.